this week on Pep Talk. Do you ever wonder why some people make it and some people don't? I think it's all to do with luck. So how do you make luck happen? So I'm Connor, primarily probably known for playing in the band The Vamps. I was playing pubs, I was busking out in the street, putting covers on YouTube, working really, really hard to create that luck. I'm Ollie Weingarten. I am the founder, chief exec of London United. I often get asked by people, how do you create your luck? And ask people for advice, for help, for work experience, for internship, just bash doors down would be my single biggest piece of advice. Our mission is to help 10 million people start and grow a business for free. We want nothing from you. In Pep Talk, we interview industry-leading experts from around the world who share actionable know-how and life lessons. That's why we're excited to partner with GoDaddy to power up Pep Talk. I've been using GoDaddy for years and would promote them on this podcast even if they didn't sponsor us. You can use their free website builder and start your online business at no cost and even get help these days with naming your business. For 40% off GoDaddy tools, click the link in the podcast notes below and use the code GDXPEPTALK. Do you ever wonder why some people make it and some people don't? I think it's all to do with luck. So how do you make luck happen? How do you hack luck? What is luck? My two guests today, you could call them lucky and they will share with you their secrets about how they're building what I think is one of the most important social impact businesses in the UK right now. Welcome to the show, Connor and Oliver. Thank you so much for being here. Maybe we could start off by Connor. Could you share with the audience a little bit about who you are and and what you're about? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Firstly, thanks as well for having us. Really appreciate it. Um, so I'm Connor, uh, primarily probably known for playing in the band The Vamps, um, which I've been doing for 10 years this year, actually. So it's a big anniversary this year. Uh, we've been touring, releasing music, writing music for, for as long as I can remember at this point. Um, but also, aside from that, I'm a massive gamer. Um, I've been playing games for all my life. So um, I've recently just got involved in being a, a co-owner of London United which I'm super, super, super excited about. It's like a bit of a dream of mine to be able to do this. So uh, yeah, I think that's that's basically it. I mean, I have a few other musical projects and stuff and yeah, never stopping. So I want yeah. to get into in a minute um, how you got involved with the Vamps and how that lucky moment happened. Um, but Ollie, maybe um, we could kick off you also telling the audience about yourself. Yeah, thanks, Simon. And hello to everyone out there listening. Thanks for having us on, as Connor said. I'm Ollie Weingarten. I am the founder, chief exec of London United. And just before I tell you exactly what we do, my background is quite interesting because I've come into esports from traditional sports, having been a lawyer initially. I worked at the Premier League for seven years doing broadcast sponsorship deals, protection of IP. I then worked in Formula One. I was in the Piranha Pit for three years, tried to take on someone called Bernie Eccleston on behalf of the teams. Uh, Fascinating career in itself for that journey. And then I got into sports tech and, you know, it was around the metaverse proposition a few years ago already. Um, and I saw the potential of esports and uh, set up London United, ideally at the start as a grassroots path to pro esports organization that aligned with social issues. We've clearly evolved since then and we might get into a little bit about what we do. But, you know, we work with the mayor of London, the Rio Ferdinand Foundation. We have um, teams that play for us. We have content creators and we host events that promote health and well-being and social issues, Simon. So tell us how this got started, Ollie. What was the kind of first few steps to kind of creating this, this, this new platform? So I think 
as I alluded to, I was fortunate in the roles that I had. You know, as a newly qualified lawyer, I created some luck of my own in making a decision and actually ended up at the Premier League, which was a dream job. And after 10 years of your two fantastic roles in high profile organizations, you try and work out what you want to do. I said I worked with a sports tech startup. I recognized that esports was the future, exponential growth, fastest growing consumer sector. And I started to do a little bit of research myself. I dabbled in it a little bit with um, the tech startup I was at called Virtually Live. And I went to Wembley Arena one Friday afternoon to the Face It CSGO final. And when you see Wembley Arena sold out with um, families and kids all wearing merch, buying merch, and the action is, you know, the production is bite size, it's fast, it's furious, it's like the most incredible atmosphere. You, you, sort of, you sit up and you go, this is something, this is something that I need to be involved in. And for me, it was then trying to work out where I could enter esports. Was it you go and work for a publisher like EA? Do you go work for a tournament operator? Do you go and work for another team? And I think because I'd had so much autonomy in my previous career, I felt that the only way I could do this was by essentially working for myself, but also being able to impose my own footprint on something. And I wanted to harness social purpose as a result of legacy that I'd seen at the Premier League compared to where there was no legacy in Formula One. And that was the start of London United. Amazing story. And uh, so great to hear that kind of process that, that I guess wanting, almost having a desire to be involved in something and creating it yourself, which I think a lot of people, um, sometimes they think they need a bit of luck to get a job in it, whereas you just decided to create it for yourself, which I think is amazing. Connor, I know that you uh, are into NFTs and um, you guys think a lot about the metaverse. Maybe you could share a little bit of your your thinking about where you think the metaverse is going and, and why you're into NFTs. And I know a lot of people listening um, are, are also trying to learn how this whole blockchain technology is going to affect them, but maybe share a little bit of what you've learned. Yeah, I think the whole thing is fascinating. And I think we're only really at the tip of the iceberg. I think there's so, so much that's... Uh, going to happen in the next kind of like five years, even a year, to be honest. Um, there's so much potential and we're kind of wanting to get involved with it, which we, we won't tell you. We can't tell you too much about it. Um, but yeah, it's really interesting. It's really, really fascinating. Um, I think in terms of NFTs and gaming, there's it's the biggest potential for me. Um, there's, you know, the, the play to earn side of it where if people don't know, you would play a game and essentially earn uh, an NFT token or a cryptocurrency, um, which is really interesting. It's hard to kind of get your head around right now, but I think um, there is some work that still needs to be done within um, kind of NFTs in, in terms of like sustainability, um, which I think as it goes on, as I say, it's the tip of the iceberg. There's It's going to be coming in in the next kind of couple of years for sure. You know how these uh, high-profile uh, celebrities, they drop what NFT they bought and suddenly it triples. Um, do, you, do you want to do someone a favor right now and tell us which NFTs you've bought you really like? <laughs> uh, there's, there's so many. I, yeah, I don't have like a, an ape or anything to my name. so. Well, that's the I'm apes have just fully... halved. The apes are just <laughs> halved in value. <laughs> yeah. I'm not fully invested, but um, yeah, no, I love it. Absolutely love it. It is a fascinating space. And, and Ollie, how do you see the metaverse playing out? Is it, what's your vision on, on where that's all going to go for people? I think as Connor says, there's so many options around it. You've got play to earn in the blockchain. But I think if you take a step back, it'd be an NFT or some sort of frontier technology related to crypto NFTs, blockchain can act as almost a membership card for your community, can't it? I think 
for us, the important thing, and we sort of learned this when we did a community purpose-driven soft NFT project last year, is you need utility. You need utility around it. Unless you're Snoop Dogg or you know Man City with a... Oh, sorry, I almost used a bad word there. With um, a lot of IP, uh-huh. then it's um, it's quite challenging, isn't it? So you've got to be able to offer the community mm-hmm. something that provides them with value. But again, as I think Connor was alluding to, we need to take people on a journey. There needs to be some education around it. And uh, you know, that's part of what we're looking at doing. I also think if you look at Metaverse as a, a digital offering, you know, I'm sitting in Camden at the moment in our center of excellence. There's no reason that can't be recreated in the metaverse to offer people unable to attend physically the opportunity to participate digitally and come and meet Connor and I, come and play games against other like-minded individuals, come and listen to sessions, uh, do watch parties when the Valorant team is playing. There are so many opportunities that present themselves. And I think it's just trying to get your head around it and put it into a business plan, quite frankly. That's the challenge. Yeah, totally. and I think the education point is so valid. I mean, again, for the listeners listening, you know, even the word utility to us, we're kind of in it. I'm in the metaverse space too, and in the NFT world myself. You know, utility it might seem so obvious, but for those listening, utility really is a value attached to the NFT beyond the actual. Let's call it the JPEG. So access, for example, or almost like a key into into certain things. So so adding value beyond the actual. Um, art, right? Um, often the yeah. art is valuable enough, but for a lot of people creating NFTs, they don't have a utility and, and it just becomes whether or not you like the art as opposed to the access it can potentially give you. So just educating the audience there for a second. And do you see with with what you're doing, it, it's, it's it, I mean, I guess there's another element, you, could, you can be global, right, with with the metaverse. And so that's, that's the other opportunity, isn't it? And how do you think about you know, the opportunity globally for you guys? Well, I, I don't think the internet has any boundaries, clearly. We're London United by name only. We have a partnership with Durham University. We have um, FIFA gamers in Scotland. We have a Valorant team consisting of Lithuanian and Poles and Italian coach. So clearly, we're not restricted to London. And uh, we, we're quite clear in, in what we do and, and how we operate. But um, for me, if you go down this um, new frontier technology journey, and you essentially could create a DAO that becomes scalable, you can easily then take that into other countries and you can have a Berlin United, Dubai United, as opposed to just doing it in this straightforward corporate sense of having a subsidiary. So I think exploring technology from a scalability perspective for me down the line is quite interesting. Yeah, I think you're touching on an interesting branding point there too. You know, like London United, people might think, well, it's only the UK, but really you're, you're setting yourself up potentially for a franchise partnership, structure, scalable through name. Um, and so I think that's really interesting. You also mentioned something there called DAO, again, for my audience that miss it, you know, decentralized autonomous organization. So this is the future, I think, of how companies are going to get run. And so it's not run by one person at the top, but by a community. And so, and gaming has always been about this, hasn't it? And and I, I, I only found out this recently that Ethereum, which is the second largest cryptocurrency in the world was created by a gamer who was frustrated with gaming that kept all the things that he created inside the game because they owned it centrally right so this has all come and Connor how did you get into gaming how, how did it all begin for you in that space I think uh I must have been like four or five I was pretty lucky my parents got me or maybe my grandparents got me a ps1 uh and, a, and an N64 I had before that, actually. So I um, got, in, got in the game early, you know what I mean? So I was from a but little, little That's what I say, you look so young and you're talking N64. I mean, I think there will actually be some listeners right now that don't even know what that is. So uh, uh, That's it, upsetting. 
Yeah, that's <laughs> they need to get on it. Yeah, but you you been you mentioned earlier ten years uh, in the Vamps. How, how did that? Let's talk about luck for a minute. How how did that play out? Was it was it luck or was it? Did how did it, how did you end up in the Vamps? I think when talking about anything like this, there's there's a a, a form of luck involved. Um, I always kind of wanted to be a musician from a young age. I started playing guitar at like eleven or twelve, and I think it's one of those things when you're that age, you're like, there's no way I'm going to be a musician. Like, there's too many people trying. It's too hard, um, it, you know, it's not going to happen. Um, but I was always of the the mindset and the ethic of working really, really hard and putting yourself in as many opportunities uh, to create that luck. Um, and so I was doing everything I could. I was playing pubs. I was busking out in the street. I was uh, putting covers on YouTube, doing videos, uh, doing videos every other day um, to try and just get myself in front of as many eyes as possible. So I think through that, um, I was then spotted uh, doing YouTube covers and through that then met the rest of the band. So they uh, kind of got involved. And yeah, from there, it's it's been 10 years later. So time goes by when you're having fun. But I think the, the message I get from that as well is that there's a passion there, isn't it? The, the hard work, you know, you, the passion is there. So therefore doing the work didn't matter. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it was always a love for me. It was a hobby at, at the front of everything. And it still is. It's still something I absolutely love. So I think if you learn to find something that you love and you just go for it, that that's the, you know, the best reward. Ollie, you mentioned earlier something fascinating about um, fighting with Bernie Eccleston um, during your F1 period. I mean, um, t tell us about that. Tell us about, you know, that, that sounds like a lucky experience uh, to, to be able to get, get yourself into a position where you're, you're having an argument with such an individual. But tell us about that. Your definition of luck is very different to mine, Simon, that's for sure. <laughs> um, look, I, I, I sort of hit a glass ceiling, which is a term often you use in business, isn't it, when you feel that you can't go anywhere further in the uh, existing business you're at so you're sort of looking for an exit and again having been at the Premier League it's where do you go and this oppor opportunity presented itself and in all honesty I wasn't sold on it at the beginning um, and you know, we don't have enough time to tell you the process I went through but ultimately I did decide to make the move and you know go out to Geneva and um, work for the teams and um, the first essential project that was given to me was do a commercial financial analysis of the sport because the agreement with him between Bernie and the teams is up for renewal and we all want more money but let's show him we can grow the pot as opposed to just ask for a bigger slice of the pot and within um, three months of having taken on the job he picked off Ferrari and Red Bull with a huge check and the rest of my stakeholders went down like dominoes so uh, it was rather challenging um, but for me what I decided to try and do was as much to put a brave face on the, the positioning, et cetera, around what the organization could do was actually find some benefits. And we did quite a lot of good fan engagement work, working with Lewis and some of the drivers at taking events away from the racetrack and live streaming these events um, called fans forums and carbon emission reduction programs and working with the promoters to, because Bernie didn't have a PR office to just try and help build up interest in the sport. So Whilst the biggest thing that I was brought in to do didn't quite come off um, through no fault of mine, sadly, because it was the way Bernie worked with Divide and Conquer, I, uh, I tried to put a positive spin on the other stuff. It's all learning for what you do today as well, I guess. You probably learn um, how to how to structure things and how to make things fair and balanced because that's definitely one of Bernie's weaknesses, wasn't it? It was a lot, a lot of criticism around that and not making it equal for everyone involved. I just want to take a moment to thank Taylor Brands for sponsoring this podcast. 
Have you ever been told you can easily start a business that will make money while you sleep, only to realize it takes a ton of work to get a business started? Taylor Brands makes starting a business easy. With its AI-powered platform, you can get your business a logo, social media designs, printed merchandise, and so much more, all in just a few clicks. That's why I love Taylor Brands. Whatever your idea is, you can make it look legit in a day and actually start selling through the Taylor Brands platform. For 40% off your first order, check out the links in the podcast notes below and use the code PEP. Now, let's get back to the podcast. But I, I mean, ju- jumping uh, kind of back to, you know, basically right now, you, you, know, you personally invested in London United. Tell us about that process. What, what, what brought you to, uh, to do that? What, what makes you feel this is the place to put your love and energy? And, and tell us a little bit about how, how that, that bit of luck happened. Yeah, originally, um, I did an event with Ollie and London United um, at the Samsung KX in London. And uh, I mean, immediately I was drawn to the team, to the kind of ethos around the whole thing. Um, and the main point of me being attracted to London United, obviously the gaming thing is amazing, but the fact that we're really trying to tackle social issues um outside of gaming as well um we're trying to bring that together and kind of infuse it as one um that was the main the main thing and so through more chats with ollie um we kind of just came to the point that i was like i'm really interested in this this is something i i would really like to be involved with um and not just on the surface i really want to kind of get involved with everything underneath and through the events and the business side of it as well which i'm i'm kind of new to as well so i'm learning that with ollie um and ollie's a great mentor so as you as you know he's he's done so much um so yeah no it's it's really exciting for me and i'm really excited for for what's to come in the next kind of few months and and you've always been very honest and open about your own personal battles with mental health you know uh, suffering of anxiety and panic attacks and, and, and depression and i think first of all thank you for being so open as someone so high profile sharing that i think it's important but how have you dealt with those issues how, how have you how have you managed to um i guess uh deal with them yeah i think through many forms of different things to be honest like originally i didn't even know it was anxiety i didn't really know what i was experiencing i thought i was like physically ill i was going to the hospital with panic attacks and breathing issues uh, and all this and i didn't know so i think if i'd heard about it earlier when i was like 16 17 then i probably wouldn't have it wouldn't have got that far so um i think through speaking to people being open that was the biggest step for me like actually opening up and telling someone i felt this way because i kept it to myself for so long um that was that just snowballs into something so much worse um so i think yeah through speaking to people through exercise and also gaming to be honest gaming's been a massive form of escapism for me um i took it on tour i took like a, a console with me on tour a laptop and that kind of allowed me to speak to the people back home that I knew were like my comfort blanket in a way. Um, so that was massive for me. Um, and then, yeah, exercise, speaking to the boys in, in the band um, and yeah, therapy as well. Like, I went to see therapists as well. I think the the, uh, the strongest people ask for help. I really believe that 100%. such a, an important part of, 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 of life. And, uh, and I, and I know myself, I, during lockdown, um, my, uh, my nephew, we used to play uh, call of duty a lot. Um, and we talk to each other and, and, and like you say, it's just sometimes having someone to talk to, but it does feel like a lack of organizations around to help people. Um, so I guess that's in part why, uh, Ollie, you're doing London United, right? Yeah. And I think you know, everything that Connor has just said shows 
why you know I wanted Connor to get involved with London United because he's authentic. He's a gamer. He's had issues that we're trying to address. We don't do badge badging exercises at London United. Even when we talk to brands, we want to have true partnerships. And the fact that Connor wants to get so involved in the business was a huge plus for me. And actually, to be honest, if he hadn't wanted to, we probably wouldn't have got to where we are. Um, you know, the other point around what we do and how we address social issues is that we recognize that we're not going to have the biggest impact, but if we can have some sort of impact and raise awareness and show people there are channels that, as you just said, you know, playing Call of Duty with nephews is a great outlet. Gaming isn't bad. The stigma attached to gaming isn't there anymore, but you have to game responsibly. And there are outlets, um, you know, to address these issues, whether it's toxicity, whether it's mental health and anxiety, whether it's physical health and participation in sport. These are all things that we're happy to address and showcase in the right way. It's interesting, isn't it? Social media does bring this kind of incredible power to connect, but does also create anxiety. I know myself, you put a YouTube video up it doesn't get many views. You're like, oh no, you know, like, what does it mean? No one likes my stuff, you know? It's, uh, and it does create that stress and anxiety in life, um, but equally the ability to connect to people in that way and at scale when you get a good comment. And, but it does play with your head a bit, doesn't it? Yeah, but can I just, I, you've actually raised something really interesting. Connor has got 2.6 million followers and he's got this great way to talk to them, yeah? And we look at ourselves and we're, we're building our Twitter profile slowly and I could look at the numbers over the last however many couple of years and we're, you know, five, 5,000 something. But our engagement level is higher than any of these other organizations that've got hundreds of thousands, millions of followers. And we do analysis in this, but, you know, you need some luck. I know this actually, you know, if you look at the topic of the podcast, you need some luck thereafter in business, like with brands, because brands will solely focus on your numbers and they sometimes don't get into the engagement. So that's what we're trying to showcase that actually look at the engagement levels Actually, they're really high. Try not to be so focused on traditional mechanisms. Um, and yeah, if you do want to talk to lots of people, then we'll bring Connor in. Yeah, <laughs> but it's, it's a really good point, though. I, I completely agree about the engagement. I, I personally got 10,600 followers on Twitter. It's taken me seven years to get there. I've only done organic. I've never paid for reach. And, yeah. and, I, and, I, and I, I feel like it's a community. And, and so, Connor, I know that's something you've worked really hard on. If I look over what you're doing, the community is, is very strong. It's not built for the simple reason of scale. It, it's built to connect to like-minded people that you can help, right? Yeah, I think being open and honest on social media is... It is the way for me and that's how it's always been for me i've been o open with my followers and, and our fan base like from the very start and i think people people aren't stupid people see through a lot of stuff and so if someone sees something that isn't genuine they know it's not genuine um, and i think that's the same for business as well like people can see through uh, a strategy that isn't genuine and so i think yeah consistency as well that's that's been a massive thing for me and just keeping it up throughout the years um yeah it, it is tough though as well like it's not easy to be able to post all the time and, and think about your likes and your streams and whatever because if you think about that too much you you start boxing yourself in and you you don't you create you know i don't know like the creativity goes for me yeah well how do you get your creativity back what do you do inspiration from everywhere like you know even watching a film in terms of music like watching a film like listening to other music um looking at people's lives and, and listening to other people's stories is, is huge um but as i say like try not to box yourself in um be super open-minded with everything you do and i think creativity will come to you 
True. I, I personally go for a walk. I know it sounds really old and boring maybe, but sometimes just going into the nature and having 20 minutes and not feeling the pressure, right? It's uh, it's, it's some simple little things. Like that. Well, look, um, just to end the podcast, because I know you guys have got a lot to do, so I don't want to keep you much longer. But just before we leave, I wanted to maybe ask you both um, if you could pinpoint a couple of really lucky moments in your life that you feel really grateful for. We'll leave some people with that positive, uh, grateful feeling. So, Ollie, do you want to go first? I think the, the luckiest moment I had was I decided as a lawyer, I, as a newly qualified lawyer as well, I didn't want to stay in private practice. I didn't want to work at a big law firm. And I um, was going to go and become a football agent, actually. And I actually had an offer to go and be a football agent. But I decided just maybe out of boredom, out of coincidence, I don't know, to pick up the Law Society Gazette, which is like the, the trade rag. And I flicked through it and I saw the advert to be a legal services executive at the Premier League. And the rest is history. And that moment of luck has shaped my career, no doubt about it. If I hadn't been at the Premier League, I wouldn't have ended up in F1. I wouldn't have had all the experience. I wouldn't have the network that I have. That moment of me just deciding, do you know what? It's bloody boring newspaper, but I'm going to pick it up anyway. (laughs) (laughs) The first positive review for the Lawyer Gazette. I feel like we should put the link below. I I love it. I'm joking. I do love the Gazette. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Not to cover you now. And Connor, what about you? Uh, I think in school, uh, you know, how you do GCSEs. I, in my school, it was a performing arts school. And originally I went with art as my performing art. You had to pick one. Um, and I didn't pick music, which now seems really weird. But I think I had one bad art lesson and I was like, no, nah, I don't like art anymore, which is a weird thing since having one lesson, is, a bad lesson is a, is not a bad thing. But I quit art and I did music instead. And from that point on, I think I, I probably have that to to not blame, but to credit for. I mean, Simon. Go ahead, Ollie. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking about this. Like, I often get asked by people, how do you create your luck and what to do? And the single biggest tip I have for anybody listening is bash doors down. Don't be afraid to go and bash doors down and ask people for advice, for help, for work experience, for internship, just, um, you know, sitting and shadowing, just bash doors down would be my single biggest piece of advice. I, I, such good advice. I studied luck for three years intensely. So I, there's a really interesting formula around luck, which I can share another time because this podcast is about you, not me. But I, I really think when one thing you've just said there, um, I, I, one thing, Connor, you just mentioned um, almost like, um, let's call it a bad luck moment. You've got a teacher that perhaps didn't inspire you or you had a, didn't have a good class session in a subject you thought you were going to go for. But thank God for that bad luck. Exactly. Right. Thank God for that bad luck. Bad luck can sometimes over time become good luck. And as, as hard as it sounds or as, as awful as it feels at the time when you're having the bad luck, it can, it can strengthen your resolve. It can fine tune what matters. So, you know, that bad luck moment turned into what an incredible piece of luck over time for both the people that get to enjoy your content, but, Absolutely. but also for London United who now have you supporting their incredible initiative. So, so you know, it's, it's interesting, but I, I, I just want to say thank you to you both for taking time out to come and share your story for all of uh, your links to your different social media channels and, and what you do. We'll put it below in the notes of the podcast. I, I beg my audience to please go and follow you, share, comment, say hello. It doesn't cost anything to do it. And I know um, it would mean a lot to Connor and Ollie and Colin and Ollie. Thank you so much for coming and sharing your story with us. Really real pleasure to have you both here. Thank you. Thank you so much. Honestly, really appreciate it. Thank you. See you guys. Thanks for listening to Pep Talk. We hope you enjoyed it. 
Don't forget to follow The Purposeful Project on all our social media channels, where we're giving away even more free business secrets and entrepreneurial value. Again, we'd like to thank our sponsor, GoDaddy, for powering this podcast. From naming a business to buying a domain name to building your website for free, GoDaddy has you covered. For 40% off GoDaddy tools, click the link in the podcast note below and use the code GDXPEPTALK. See you next time, entrepreneurs, and remember, you're not alone.